morning, everybody. May God be with you. Today's reading is from Isaiah 9, 1 to 7. And I'm using the, the NIV. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow of, of death, light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from, the time, from that time on and forever. The seal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Blessed be the reading of the word. Well, here we are in the fourth Sunday of Advent. Advent, as we've been looking at through the season, is all about preparing our hearts for Christmas, being ready for Christmas. And I know that many of you are frantically getting ready for Christmas. How many of you are feeling like you almost have it done? There's not enough hands going up in this room. How many of you feel like you're halfway ready for Christmas? Are you all totally ready for Christmas? How many of you are not ready for Christmas in the slightest? How many of you just realize it's Christmas? But you're really thankful that Christmas Day is a little later in the week, so you've still got a few shopping days left. Advent is about preparing for Christmas, about leading up, about looking at all the ways that Jesus' coming has changed everything. And how can we be ready for that? How can we be positioned for that? How can we uh, really experience and celebrate and enjoy and engage the Christmas season with all of our hearts? And how can we do that as families? How can we do that as a church? And so we've been walking through and we've had this lead up. We've had four Sundays and here we are on the fourth Sunday. And each of the Sundays, as, as when Jason and Crystal read, kind of looked at a different aspect of this Advent season. And today we look at peace. 
the peace that comes because of the coming of Jesus. But what a week, what a month it's been to think about peace on earth. I mean, where in the world was God's peace in that chocolate shop in Sydney, Australia? Where was the peace at that school in Pakistan? You know, we heard this week, this month, we've, we've, we've had tragic, not just images, moving images of, of Eric Garner being choked to death, saying, I can't breathe, eight times. And yet here at Christmas, we talk about peace on earth? Is that even possible? We've heard in the last few weeks everything from, you know, misogynistic dental students in Halifax to ongoing harassment issues to just the tragedy of things that shouldn't have happened in families and in people's lives. And we've seen it splattered all across the news. And we have to ask the question, when we hear about peace on earth, we have to ask the question, really? I mean, can that really happen? Like, what's going on here? When we say peace on earth, what does that even mean? Yesterday we saw two officers in New York assassinated. And you wonder how that's going to affect or continue to affect that community. One of them was a Christian man. I don't know about the other one, but one of them was. And you you think, what is going on? Is peace on earth just a pipe dream, just something we tell ourselves to keep ourselves calm? And that's just what comes in on the news feeds. But what about our own lives? I don't know all all of your individual lives, but I know enough to know that some of us, the peace on earth, what about peace in here? What about peace in my family? What about peace in my marriage? What about peace in my relationship with my kids or my siblings or that particular family member I haven't been able to speak to for 12 years? What about peace in my mind? Because I'm so struggling with depression or discouragement or confusion. What about the peace there? And sometimes you know, hearing about peace on earth and all the peace that Jesus brings can almost feel like a mockery in light of what you yourself are experiencing in your hearts and in your lives. Peace on earth? Peace to us. People all around us, we hear, maybe it's not you yourself, maybe, maybe you yourself are doing okay, but you've, you, you see people in your community, you, you hear stories. Yesterday we heard terrible news about Izzy Nixon, a little girl in our community who now has been diagnosed with a brain tumor, and you think, what is going on? And yet we as the Christians at least or the audacity to say peace on earth? You feel that? <laughs> I feel that. I hear the heartache of people and I, I see the tragedy that unfolds, sometimes hidden tragedies, sometimes out there for everyone to see and I think, wow, what are we saying? What are we singing? What are we declaring when we believe that 
there is a possibility of peace, that peace does come, that peace can happen, that even peace is happening, but it doesn't seem to be permeating everything. What do we mean when we say that? I think regardless of where you might be on a faith journey, regardless of whether you're familiar with the whole church thing, regardless of whether Christmas is expressing a personal faith in Jesus or whether it's more of a holiday tradition, regardless of where any of us are at, we all feel the weight of this when we look around at the world and we say, wow, this world is in trouble. This world, the violence and the evil and the decisions people make that create incredible difficulty in other people's lives, whether that's on a personal scale or a global scale, and we think, oh, Is there even a possibility of peace? I think we all feel that. And yet, somehow, in our longing for it, we hear the story of Jesus coming. We we hear the story of the sky filling with angels, singing glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. And we think, yes, that's what we want, right? That's what we desire. And as we heard in the reading that Jason did, this peace that we understand from the Bible isn't just a peace where people finally lay down their guns and agree not to shoot each other. Because we've all had, like, you know, family dinners that are that peaceful. (laughs) Right? Uh, And... It's, it's not the kind of peace that just says, let's just agree to disagree or let's just avoid each other. But rather, the image we have in Scripture of peace is, is this full image. It's something proactive. It's something positive. It's, it's seeking the other's growth and benefit, wanting you to flourish, wanting you to grow, wanting you to have all that you need to be, what God has created you to be. Healthy in body, mind, soul, relationships. Healthy in your relationship with God and God's creation. That's the shalom that we understand from Scripture. Now, we've got to start somewhere, right? So we do need to get, get people, whether it's you know, siblings or whether it's uh, global issues, we've got to get people to lay down their arms to start. But that's only where peace can start. We've got to somehow seek to benefit one another, seek to see the other person grow. And this is the peace that God declares in the coming of his son, Jesus, that there will be peace. And then over in the, in the, in the prophet Isaiah that, that Carrie read for us, just that little section, unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, he'll, he'll be the one in charge. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. There's this incredible promise that in the coming of Jesus, it's like there's a regime change. It's a good regime. And those of you who've been traveling with the Erickson Covenant Church for a while, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark. It's one of the four stories about Jesus, and it's the shortest one. And, uh, and so we've been going through it and seeing what kind of a kingdom this Jesus is in charge of and what exactly it does to people's lives when they come into contact with this king. We find out that he's not a king that uses his power to crush or manipulate or, or, or uh, you know, get everyone in line, but rather he uses his power to heal and to restore and to include. That's the kind of king this Jesus. He does battle. He does battle with the evil one. He does battle with oppressive uh, religious authorities, but he's constantly on this um, 
quest to bring healing and wholeness and peace and shalom into people's lives. That's what we see when this child grows up and becomes who he is. And so we look around at our world, and we look at Jesus, and we wonder, how does this work? How does this fit together? How does this fit together in my own life, my own marriage, my, 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 the place I'm, places I'm stuck? How does this fit together in our larger community and the brokenness we see? How does this fit together on the global stage? We ask that question, okay, Jesus, you've come, but what does that mean? Well, maybe we ask the question, what does it mean for me? Like, what do I do about that? I think that ties back into our question about preparing our hearts for Advent. You know, I can't solve all the global problems, but I can be the kind of person that lives into this peace that God has given. And so I ask myself, okay, what does it mean? How do we put this together? And how does that impact my life? What does that mean for you? On your street, in your workplace, in your school, what does that mean for you in your relationships? Well, the first thing I think we need to remember is that this is what the whole story is all about. You know, we get frustrated, we get, uh, I think, discouraged by the things that we hear, things that we see, and let's be honest, the things that we experience on a daily level. Some of us have been stuck in relationships and in situations that haven't changed for a long time and at this point don't seem like they're going to change very much. And we wonder, how do we do this? Like, how do we live out this shalom thing? The first thing we have to remember is that we can take hope that God has seen the mess and the conflict and the chaos in our lives and that his whole answer to that was the coming of Jesus. That we don't look at all the things that are going on in the world, the things in our lives, and think God doesn't even notice that. Rather, we recognize that he not only notices the brokenness of his creation, he not only sees the difficulties in your life, he not only is aware of the the global meltdown, but that his answer to it was not to remain aloof, but was to come and to be part of us, to become one of us, to send his only son to be the word made flesh, to come among us, to dwell among us, and to make the changes that can be made in the hearts of humans and in the world that he created. And so we remember when we see the evil and the things happening, remember, this is what God came to change. This is what he sent Jesus for. This is what he saw and said, I'm not going to give up on creation. I'm going to come. I'm going to become part of it. And so Jesus entered into the darkness and the chaos and the evil of the world, and even his coming was marked by violence, as Herod sought to destroy him, right? And now we celebrate Christmas at the darkest time of the year. And here on this weekend, the darkest weekend of the year, we're reminded that it's in the darkness that the light comes. It's because of the coming of Jesus that suddenly light is dawning. And we have to remember that. Whether it's because of the struggle that's happening in your marriage, whether it's the struggle that's happening at work, whether it's your own internal struggle, whether it's a struggle with... um, purpose or finances or or whether it's just a struggle with knowing what the purpose of your own life is and just wondering if there's anything that we can look to Jesus and say, Jesus, you saw the mess in my life and you sent Jesus to enter into my life and to walk with me in the darkness toward the light. And and that, that encourages us, I think. 
that sin wrecked everything, but God came to redeem it all. So how do we do that? How do we live that out in our own lives? How do we, how do we this Christmas, as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, how do we engage this peace on earth personally? I'd like to share with you three things that I reflected on. And then maybe if we're, you know, into it today, I'd love to hear what you think. Ways that you can experience and live out and engage the peace of God in Christ here at Christmas. So let me offer you three things, kind of reflections. Not really a sermon today, more of a reflection. Let me offer you three ways that I think we can engage and respond to the peace of God at Christmas. The first one is that we can pray for peace. Now, I want to actually start really personal with that one. That praying for peace, we, we often think, you know, I want to pray for peace out there or pray for peace in my family. But I actually want to start right, right with you and your personal relationship with God. See, there's no real possibility of having peace out there until there's peace in here, right? There's no possibility of really experiencing the full peace of God in your family, let alone on a global scale, if the human heart is unwilling to receive God's peace in the first place. And so this Christmas, one of the greatest ways you can prepare your heart for Christmas is to say, God, I want to know your peace in my life. I want to invite Jesus into my life to lead me and to to guide me. I want you to be my Prince of Peace. And so praying for God's peace and asking Him to come into your life and to fill your life so that you can follow Him, that's a first step. Especially for those of us who might be really wrestling with knowing who God is or knowing whether peace is possible. For us to pray that God would come in and would change our hearts. Whether you are already a follower of Jesus or whether that's new and you're just coming to know Jesus, we can ask God to give us His peace to come into us by His Holy Spirit and to fill us. But we also take that step of being prayers for peace in the world. I was very struck this week, the last few weeks, very, very struck by the number of tragedies going on in the world. They're going on all the time, and I know the media focus on it, I get that. But I was really struck this week by all the human stories that are part of that, and God's knowledge of those things, and and the awareness of of these tragedies that are just ripping people's lives apart. I think when we hear that, as people of faith at least, we can hear that and we can say a prayer. We can pray for those families. We can pray for those families of those NYPD police officers who were assassinated yesterday. We can pray for those families for peace and for grace. We We can pray in that particular situation that it wouldn't escalate into more violence or somehow drive a deeper wedge in the racial conflict that exists. We can pray for peace, be people who are committed to peace, who who know that God is committed to bringing peace, and so we, we pray into that. In the book of Philippians, it says, and I think this really speaks to those of us who struggle with peace, but also prayer. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then listen to this promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're able to pray to bring our anxious thoughts, our concerns, the the chaos of our world or the chaos of our lives to God. And there's this promise of receiving His peace in the midst of that. It's a beautiful promise. 
So I think the first way, as we think about preparing our hearts for Advent, as we think about the coming of the Prince of Peace, the first way that we can really engage it is to pray for peace. Peace in our lives, peace in our world. The second way I thought about it was that we can promote peace. I'm going to use three Ps, and I don't usually do this. Promote peace. Now, the way I thought about this is, this gets really personal for our lives, but I think there's ways that we can live, ways that we can speak to one another, or, let's be honest, speak about others, that doesn't actually promote peace. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Ways that we can position ourselves to look better, ways that we can speak ill of someone, ways that we can inflame a situation that's already negative. Because we're, we're in the midst of that. Maybe we're only thinking of ourselves. Maybe we're upset. Maybe we're angry. But as a result, we forget that we have a beautiful opportunity to promote peace in that situation, to be a peacemaker, to be a person who says, hey, I, that sounds like a really tough situation. Can I pray with you if it's appropriate? To choose not to, um, someone who you know, really has a grudge or has a struggle or is really offended, to choose not to get in there and just you know, give it a little bit of uh, billows, you know, get, get the flame going a little more, because some of us enjoy that sort of thing. We shouldn't, but we do. To be the kind of person that says, what can I do or say or pray or not say in this situation to actually promote peace? And that's a real challenge for some of us. Will we be promoters of peace? That comes personal relationships, but also I think it applies to some of, some of the ways we even talk about news stories or some of the ways we even talk about larger things that are going on in our community. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have an obligation to do this, to be a person who seeks the peace, that does everything within your power to see peace and shalom come to people. And, and if you're just checking Jesus out, I encourage you to be that kind of person. But we realize that we often have a choice that can powerfully affect the way people think about another gender, the way people think about uh, people of certain ethnicities, the way people uh, think and, and engage in, in maybe an old offense that they had, maybe with an uncle or a brother or family member. And, and we can engage those in situations that, that either lead toward greater peace or will just keep people stuck or maybe even in a worse place. And so I challenge you this Christmas, whether it's around the dinner table at Christmas, whether it's in the different connections you have, to be a person who promotes peace, who speaks well of others, who at least reserves judgment in those difficult and sometimes uh, really uh, political or really negative conversations we can have about situations that are going on around us or situations that are going on in our own lives to be the kind of person that actually promotes peace in the words that we use. I think it's powerful. I encourage you to do that. And the third one, and it relates uh, but uh, more directly, is I think we can be a people who practice peace. We pray for it and we promote it, but practice peace for me in particular is actually taking an opportunity this Christmas, and I would hope that maybe it'll extend past that, but this Christmas to make peace with someone, to practice peace with someone that you've been struggling with. 
And as we said earlier, peace isn't just, hey, let's agree not to fight over the dinner table at Christmas, but rather to ask yourself, is there a way that I can practice reconciliation? I can, I can be the kind of person that says, I know we've had problems and I know we've had struggles, but I'm going to do something, not to manipulate or to some, nothing like that, but I'm going to actually practice peace, practice shalom with this person. Maybe it's how you treat them. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's a note. Maybe it's giving a phone call. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's finally talking about that thing that you've not been able to talk about. But that you would be a person who practices it, who lives it out. And that word practice is, you know, we think that has a broad range of meaning. But I think sometimes it really does take practice. You know, like we really have to actually try it again and again and again to be the kind of person that was willing to to live right relationship, to seek reconciliation, to be a person who practices peace. And I don't know all of your situations, but I'm willing to bet that there's some of us for whom the Christmas holidays is a very difficult time for your families, a very difficult time relationally. I'm willing to bet that. And I'm not putting anything heavy on you when I say to practice peace. I'm encouraging you this Christmas that as you pray for peace and as you promote peace, that you let the Spirit lead you to practice peace in the relationships that are around you, in the people you've had struggles with. I think as we do that, as we pray and promote and practice peace, I actually think it's then that we will begin to experience peace on earth. You know, all these global conflicts, all these things that are going on, all the, all the stuff that's going out there, you know it all stems from the human heart, right? It all stems from human hearts that are not at peace with God and that are not at peace with others. That's where it all comes from. And the peace of God that has come into the earth is the Son of God who has come to change our hearts. So that when there's truly peace in here, then there can be peace out there. And that's the peace that he calls us to live, to pray to promote, and to practice. We've got a few minutes. So, do you have other ideas, other things you could add, and it doesn't have to start with P, you understand. Um, Do you have things you would add to that as you think about how to respond to the peace of Jesus coming at Christmas, how to be a person of peace this Christmas. Is there anything you'd like to add? No pressure, but if there's anything you'd like to add or, or comment or discuss, why don't you throw it out there? Anyone? Dwayne. Blaming other people and, and the circumstances around me, then I was stuck. Yeah. So taking responsibility for the ways you've not allowed for peace or promoted peace is a huge step into that. Absolutely. Thanks, Dwayne. Anyone else like to share? And, and Cameron will walk a mic over to you. Ways that we can be peacemakers? Oh, Joanne, thanks. I like, I like that he said practice, and now I'm going to say prevent. <laughs> but it wasn't on purpose. I was thinking of when, over the years, we get into those situations, it's often that we weren't being humble or we're being defensive of territory or power or those other things in our lives. So things build because we didn't prevent 
um, ourselves from stepping back and seeking how Jesus would approach that and how we can just be loving more than mm-hmm. other. Thank you, John. Anyone else want to share? Tiffany. Right there, Kelly. Yeah. I find for myself this time of year the thing that I need the most, um, and it is also a P, is patience. Downtown driving, lots and lots of patience. Yeah, you can promote peace in the lineup. (laughs) And on the roads. Uh, I'm going to go with the P theme. Oh, this is awesome, you guys, man. (laughs) Way to go. Just a... kind of pursue peace i think christmas can be a really chaotic time of year and uh, it's got the highest suicide rate across north america so just to not engage in the chaos that we can easily fall into i think is a good way to keep uh, the peace thing going yeah thank you Brent. Yeah. anyone else want to share Terrific, thank you. Well, I know that. Thanks, Cameron. I um, I'd like us to pray together for peace right now. I I would like us to pray for some of the situations I've even mentioned. Um, I'd like us to pray for Izzy Nixon. Um, um, but are there particular other things that you'd like to mention? And you can mention anything you want to pray us to pray for today. But I'm think I am thinking in particular of. Maybe, maybe places where we really need God's peace to come. And um, be sensitive in how you, you know, talk about this. But if, if, if you'd like to share, even just generically or broadly, uh, where you would like to receive peace or we need to pray for peace, would you do that? So um, is, that, is there anything you'd like us to pray for this morning to, as we pray for peace? Your parents. Yep. People in hospitals, yeah, absolutely. Say that again. Yeah, thanks, Gary. Traveling. Think of those who have experienced loss, um, whether this season or the season is difficult because of loss that they've experienced, whether that's loss in death or, or through other family difficulties or anything else come to your mind today? Mark? People in what situation? Yes, people in abusive situations. And we know that domestic violence actually rises around Christmas, over Christmas. So we pray and also offer help to those those who are alone, absolutely. Well, would you pray with me as we pray for God's peace? Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. Your reign, your reign of peace has begun and will never end. And yet we see that we still live between the time when you've come and the time when everything will be completed, everything will be made right. And There's a lot of people, there's a lot of uh, nations, there's a lot of families, a lot of individuals who 
don't yet experience much of your peace. And today I ask Jesus that we would receive your peace in our hearts, in our families. I pray for those of us who might be new to you, new to church, who um, are maybe in that place where they're just not sure yet. I pray that over this Christmas, uh, that each one of us who are in that place would, would experience your peace and would take another step toward you. For those of us who really struggle at this time of year with loss, with loneliness, I pray that in the midst of mourning, in the midst of, of that struggle, we would experience your peace and your joy. I pray for those who have a lot of difficult family relationships where we need your peace to reconcile. I pray for those situations that may be uh, seemingly beyond reconciliation, that you would pour your grace and your peace into their lives. I pray that each one of us, as we uh, are with family or friends, or as we are perhaps not with too many family or friends, but we are with a few people, I hope, that we'd be able to... um, speak about your peace, that we'd be able to step out and practice that. I pray for those who need to offer forgiveness, who need to receive forgiveness, that this would be a season where uh, your, your shalom, your peace, brings together people who have been apart. We know that that's why you came, Jesus. We pray for marriages that are struggling. I pray, Jesus, that your peace would bind up and renew and restore broken marriages, broken families. We pray for uh, teenagers who may be struggling with um, whether it's abusive, um, self-abusive things or whether it's image or whether it's uh, struggling with the purpose in life. I pray that Um, our youth would know how loved they are and would experience your peace and your grace that fills them up, that shows them how uh, important they are, that you would bind them up and and, uh, heal them. I pray for, um, just throughout our valley, the various families who may be in really tough spots this Christmas, that you would in your grace and your peace bring healing. When we think of those who may be suffering from abuse or caught in abusive situations, Lord Jesus, we ask, in your grace, you would bring freedom and peace. Lord, there's just so many different situations, so many realities that we struggle with right here in our community, right here in our congregation in the broader Crescent Valley community, we just ask, Lord Jesus, that this Christmas we would be open to receiving your peace and we'd also be people who who bring your peace into people's lives and point them toward you. When we broaden our scope to think of some of these situations that are going on around the world, I I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would be with the families who have lost loved ones in Sydney, Australia, in New York, in Pakistan. That, Lord Jesus, in the midst of that tragedy, in the midst of that darkness and that chaos, your light would dawn. Your peace would come. That people would find 
in the midst of the ugliness, your beauty and your goodness and your redemption. We can't imagine, I can't imagine what it would be like for these families in these situations to have lost someone so close to them. For those who celebrate Christmas, to have lost someone that close to Christmas, I just ask Jesus that your grace would surround them. And if there are are, uh, people around them who can who can minister to them and encourage them, who can point them toward you, Jesus, that that would be true at this time. Lord Jesus, we think of uh, people in our community who are struggling with sickness, and I think in particular today of little Izzy Nixon. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would heal her body, that you would touch her whole body and heal her. I ask that you be with her family, siblings and their extended family and the many people in our community who know this family. I ask, Lord Jesus, that that there would be a powerful experience of your peace and your grace during this time. Jesus, we thank you for being our Prince of Peace. We thank you for coming. We thank you for not looking at the chaos and the violence and the evil and just deciding to give up, but rather deciding to get in. We thank you. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that in our hearts and in our lives, we would be responding to your peace and receiving your peace. And then as a result, praying for it, promoting it, practicing it, so that we be a people of peace. And we see peace on earth come person by person and family by family and community by community. We do look forward to the day, Jesus, when your peace has truly come. When all the wrongs will be righted. When all the wounds will be healed. When you'll wipe away every tear from every eye. And you will live among us. And all will be well. I pray that that hope would anchor us and guide us as we live as people of peace. In your name we pray. Amen.